We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mailbag. Mailbag. Yes. You mailbag. ready to go? We got, we got a lot of super chats today. We got we only got 20 questions so far. I expect that to grow now that we're diving in the mailbag, but let's start off with trash. Not not trash. Not trash. This is actually someone whose name on the chat is trash for those watch listening and not watching. Yes. Trash says, and thank you so much for the super chat. Trash. No incentive to join the ACC anymore. They screw us over in the bowl game. The refs suck. The president challenged its members to take us down. I grew up with an independent Notre Dame. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, too. Well, just so we're clear, I'm pro-independence. Ryan is pro-independence. The the discussion is only ever in the theoretical that they have to join a conference. I've always said the ACC is still the way to go. And, And I still believe that's true in a lot of ways. But, yeah, I'm a little pissed at the ACC right now. I mean, it's like... They're, 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 it's like they're trying to bully Notre Dame into joining the league. Hey, we're going to make this really tough for you because you're signed with us for the next 12 years, blah, 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 and we're going to keep screwing you over with referees. And That's not going to end well for the ACC. It's not. No, it's it's not going to end well for the ACC. And if that is, in fact, what they're trying to do, you know. It doesn't, it doesn't make problem. any sense because ACC also needed Notre Dame. Like, they need yes. Notre Dame, and yet they – are burning bridges for whatever reason. So yeah, but I'm, I've also been, I've always trash been pro independence. Is there a time where Notre Dame might have to join a conference out of necessity? Maybe it happens, but I am for keeping that independence as long as possible and making yourself as valuable as possible. Joey green. Thank you so much for the super chat, Joey out of curiosity. If Riley Leonard gets hurt for 2024, would you play CJ Carr or Ken Yumenchi over Steve Angeli? Why are we talking about players getting injured, man? I would. In that instance, I would. I'd play Minchie over over right now. I'd play Minchie. Uh, I need to see CJ Carr first. I've seen sure. Kenny Minchie in a Notre Dame uniform, but either one of those two guys. I mean, look, I, 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 there's a lot to like about Steve Angeli as a young man, Ryan. I just don't see it. And yep. it, it, you know, at some point in time, you've got to say. Like this is what drives me nuts. Those coaches, well, you know, this this guy knows the offense. Well, he's older; he should know the offense better. At some point in time, you've got to balance. You know, okay, we've got to get the younger player in there who's way more talented to let him learn the offense that he can't learn if you don't give him the reps to learn it. 
I think this is a big bowl period for both of those kids because now CJ is going to at least get some practices. I believe he's going to set be set to practice here in the next two, three days. Yep. And then Kenny obviously is going to get all the backup reps. And then now CJ gets kind of the number three reps for the bowl game. Uh, probably do some scout team stuff for the bowl game, which is going to be great for the offense to, or defense to get a look from a guy like CJ Carr. But yes, I, all due respect to Steve Angeli, and maybe he'll prove me wrong someday, but nothing he's done has made me change my mind that he's a good player that can win you nine, 10 games a year. But if you're trying to win a championship, you need one of those other two kids to be that guy Yeah, in, in the, well, you know, the, the crappy spot, because look, you know, Ryan, Notre Dame's had some good luck in the last few years. You know, Ian book didn't get hurt in 2020, uh, yeah. 19 or 20 Ian book. And then uh, in 20, but this year, Sam didn't get hurt, but for the most part, Notre Dame's always Dane. Chris got hurt in 2011. And he got benched in 20, uh, 20 excuse me, Dan Hurst got bench, got hurt in 2010. Dan Chris got hurt in 2010. You had him get beat out by Tom Reese in 2011. And then Tommy got hurt and knocked out of a game. And then Dane had to come in, if you remember, against USC. 2012, Everett got hurt in the, the Stanford game. Tommy had to finish it. And then Tommy had to start the BYU game the next week. 2013, Tommy got knocked out of the USC game. Andrew Hendricks had to come in and fill that role. He was terrible. Uh, 2014, Everett got benched at the end of the year, so you needed two quarterbacks that year. 2015, Malik got hurt in the second game of the year. 2016, yep. you played two quarterbacks. Uh, Deshaun got benched at one point because he was playing poorly, and then Malik came in and didn't. it wasn't a whole lot better. And 2017, you ended up having to put Ian Book in the game against North Carolina because Brandon Wimbush got hurt, and that's even before you kind of flipped him out late in the year because Brandon struggled. 2018, Brandon Wimbush had to make a start against Florida State because Ian Book got hurt. And then, you know, 19 and 20 was better. But the point is, Ryan, a lot of years, Notre Dame has needed to start a second quarterback, either from injury or poor play. So it's good to have those, those, those younger players ready. But if you're going to be in that situation, you need to get the guy that could potentially be your future ready and not just the guy that's more experienced or more proven. And I yep. don't know that Notre Dame's going to do that, but they need to do that. And it's one of those two kids. It's not Steve Angeli, with all due respect. No, I, I don't disagree because I think in this hypothetical, I would like to reword it, Joey, to if Notre Dame didn't go after Riley Leonard and they sure. wanted to just go with the young guys, I'm going to rephrase it that way because I don't like wishing injury upon anyone, right? I would rather go with a couple of the more talented younger players and Steve, whether it is Kenny Minchie or whether it is CJ Carr, because at least then you're starting – the process of moving to the next step of longevity at the quarterback position with one of those two guys. So I would rather go young, more talented in that scenario if Riley Leonard was not on the roster, just to rephrase it yep. a little bit. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mark one. What's up, Mark? Thank you, sir. Thank you for super chat. Hi guys. Good show. Any news on the strength coach? I would expect something to happen within the next maybe week or so is kind of, you know, now whether or not that gets announced with the way Notre Dame does hiring practices that I don't know, but I think a decision will be made about the next week or so. I've heard three different names, Ryan, uh, floated around, and and I still haven't gotten really concrete for sure. Those are candidates. Uh, I'd be happy with all three of them. So that's at least the good news. Is it now again? I don't know that they're definitely candidates. It could just be guys that Notre Dame is interested in, and maybe not sure. guys that are definitely interested in Notre Dame. Two of the guys have uh, have, have worked with Marcus Freeman before, so there's some experience there. Uh, all three of them to me would be very strong hires. And uh, so now it could be someone else from the outside. I mean, there's going to be a lot of changes in the strength program. I don't think it's just going to be the number one guy. I think there's going to be a complete overhaul of of that. That's just my prediction, a complete overhaul. So uh, again, my hope is that it's, if it's someone from that group I've heard or someone on the level of the guys that I've heard, you know, maybe there's someone that's better than those three. But the, the good news is, is the three that I've heard are guys that I, that I would say, yeah, I can dig that. I can right. dig that. So it's good stuff. But they've been pretty tight, tight, tight. That's why I say I'm, I'm unsure because it's not my really good sources that I normally have. Everybody's been kind of tight lipped about this yeah. hire. Don't understand why, but I have heard through someone who heard that kind of thing of the three names. So that's why I'm not as confident saying them or whatever, but uh, if it is, in fact, one of those three or someone like it, that would be a very strong hire because this is a hugely, hugely important hire for Marcus Freeman. I mean, to me, a strength coach can can be the difference between 9-3, and 11-1, and 9-3, and 12-0. and 0. I, I truly believe that. A, a good strength coach, because it's not just about conditioning and strength. It's also about your mindset, your mentality, your mental toughness, right? Those are those are all big parts of, of uh, what a good strength coach can do. We had a super chat from Brandon Plensner. Thank you so much, Brandon. Can you do a live or pre-recorded show previewing the bowl games and your thoughts and winners? Brandon, you're asking us kind of late, man. There's some bowl games this week. So. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure uh, that Brandon doesn't want to know about some of the games that are being played. Oh, I want to know about uh, some these, of these games. These Miami, Ohio is playing somebody, games, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's some good stuff, man. Your good first stuff. game is what, Saturday? You've got the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Georgia Southern in Ohio. The mm-hmm. Cricket Celebration Bowl, Howard and Florida A&M. The New Orleans Bowl, Jacksonville State, Louisiana. And uh, Miami of Ohio, New Mexico Cure Bowl, Miami of Ohio, yep. App State. The New Mexico Bowl with New Mexico State and Fresno. That'll actually be a good game. The I, LA I kinda, Bowl. I kind of like the App State game, man. I think that App yeah, State, Miami, Ohio. Miami and App fun. State. Yeah. And then you've got the LA Bowl with UCLA and Boise. And then you've got the Independence Bowl with Cal and Texas Tech. Yeah. So, 
but we'll, we'll uh, I'll get with Ryan. I mean, we're obviously right now I've got Ryan doing a ton of recruiting stuff with signing day being less than a week away now. Yes. Uh, but we'll we'll figure something out, whether it's me and Ryan or me and Vince or whoever. We'll we'll figure something out. We'll do something for the big games at, at the very least, Brandon. But yeah, that'd be fun to do. That'd be Brandon just wants do. some insight so he can bet because he's a degenerate. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Ryan says that with all due love. All due. Love. All right, here we go. We got some more super chats here from Tyler Reese. Tyler Reese, Golden, did, and thank you so much for the Super Chat. Al Golden did a disservice to linebacker crew his first year as a D.C. Kaiser and co. was cross-training. Golden commits Kaiser to Mike. Then he will excel. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree he'll that excel? if he commits. Yeah, he's, he's not a yeah. Mike. He's not a Mike. No, he's not. He's not a guy I think, that can play. I think play he's a Will down. and can do some Sam stuff. Like That's what yes. I think he is. He's an yes. outside guy. Yeah. Yes. I don't even know that. Well, let me ask you this, Ryan. I don't think he can be a will in a 50 plus snap per game basis against a lot of the teams in the schedule. Now, if you're playing an air raid team, that's just going to throw it all day. Yeah. I can play will in that game. Could he play will against Washington? Sure. You know, is he going to play will against Oregon? Maybe because they do so much running outside, but is he going to play will against Ohio state? No. Is he going to play well against Georgia? Heck no. Is he going to play well against Alabama? God no. You know, those are the things that, that you look at because you're, you're just – and it's about size. It's about ability to hold up. And are you really utilizing Jack's skill set the best by just sticking him inside and having him do that all day? I don't know that you are. Uh, I think playing him a little bit of, of doing it all over. Will Rover, you know, being in your th- third down nickel package stuff where he can pressure the quarterback. I think Jack's a pretty good blitzer when they use him on it. I think he does a pretty good job getting pressure and he's, he's a, he can close really quick on the ball, but just lining him up at will is just, you know, for 50 snaps a game, I don't see it. And I definitely don't see him being a Mike for 50 snaps a game. I think if they do that, that will be a huge mistake for Notre Dame. Not only are you putting a guy there that I don't think can handle that position physically. It's not about intelligence. Jack's a wicked smart kid. He's tough as he's tough kid. He'll try. But it's just about no. It's just it's just no. I I don't think especially when you've, you and there's just no need, Ryan. You've got Drake Bowen. The only reason you do that, it it and th- now listen, Jack Kaiser's a better football player than Joe Schmidt. Don't 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 get me wrong on this. But it be the only reason you do it is the same justification for why you played Joe Schmidt at Mike linebacker in 2015. You can line the defense up. That's it. If you've got to make a decision like that where you do not start Drake Bowen or Kingston or Jaden Osbury because you need someone that can get the defense lined up, then you are not a you are not the coach that I think you are. Yeah. As simple as that. Simple as that. So I just – I don't see – it's my fear, but I don't see it, Ryan. The biggest appeal for Kaiser is that he's a pretty good athlete. You know, he can move around a little bit, play in pursuit, play out in space at times. And he's – because he's only 222 pounds, right? Like he's a smaller right. dude. and. Do I want to put more weight on his frame to make him less of an athlete? Like, because I think he's maxed out pretty much from a physical yeah. perspective. Like, he's a pretty built kid I, at this point. I don't want to I, do that. I think they have him listed at like two thirty something. Ryan, I've seen no Jack way. up close. He's not. No, no way. No, <laughs> yeah. no chance. Yeah, not not happening. So, yeah, I, I mean, could they do it? Sure. I just I hope they don't. I hope they don't. I do appreciate I, I the super chat, Tyler, but I, I just I just disagree. 
I just, I, it's just my maybe it's my paranoia, but it's just be, and because of what they did against Central Michigan. I know that, that was game four of Drake Bowen's freshman yeah. year. I get and, all and that. It was just but, the one game quick yeah. fix type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think on a full time basis they'll do it. But we'll I see. really hope not. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. Michael S. If Dylan Gabriel and Riley Leonard equally wanted to come to Notre Dame, who would you take? What are the differences? I would take Riley Leonard because I think he fits the system a whole lot better. I actually like Dylan Gabriel. I think in that spread college oriented offense, I think he's a pretty productive football player. I mean, he had 42 touchdowns this past year. Like he's a, he's a good college quarterback. I do think that, that he's a little bit gimmicky as far as what you're going to ask him to do. He's going to need to, you're going to need to move the pocket at times. You're going to need to do some, just, you know, some easy uh, post snap stuff to get some easy space. Cause he's a little bit of a smaller limited guy in some capacity. I think Riley Leonard brings a lot more potential to the table a lot more dynamic ability to the table. And I think he fits more of your pro style that you want to run schematically at Notre Dame. Yeah. Agreed. But I do like I, I think, Gabriel, man. I think he gets a lot of hate, but I, I like Gabriel. I actually do. Don't hate him. I, you like him more than I do, Ryan. We both agree. He's a good college quarterback. You don't put yes. up the numbers he's put up in his entire career. And it's not just like yeah. one good season at Oklahoma. He's got like you know, 125 he, career he, touchdown passes or something. Yeah, <laughs> he was productive from like I think didn't he play as like a was he a true freshman or a redshirt freshman? At, he, he was a, he was a true uh, freshman because Mackenzie Milton got hurt. So yeah. that's right. So and he yeah. threw for 3,600 yards and 29 touchdowns. I, I get that that was the group of five level, but still, yeah. I mean that's it's really good production. Came out the next year, threw for 3,500 yards and 32 touchdowns in 10 games. The next season he gets hurt. Only plays three games. But in those three games, Ryan, he was averaging 271 passing yards per game. And the only reason it was that low is because he got knocked out of the third game against Louisville when he only had 184 passing yards. Now, he he got knocked out late in the game. If you remember, he threw like that late pick six. Actually, no, he didn't get knocked out of that. He got hurt as the late in the game as it was. He threw that really bad pick six at the end of that game uh, to allow Louisville to win that game. But then he missed the rest of the year. Comes out the next year at Oklahoma, throws for 3,100 yards, 25 touchdowns, six picks, misses a game, uh, gets knocked out of the TCU game, and then comes out this year and throws for 3,600 yards. I mean, this is a kid that's had, what, three, four seasons, over 3,000 yards already. He's going to be in his sixth year. So, you know, but to me, he's he's a little like Sam Hartman, different styles, but, like, he's a good college player that's a pro, that, that right for a system. You know what I mean? And as we, you know, so, so Riley Leonard to me can be, he's not yet, but he can be a game changer. In my yeah. opinion, he's just got more physical tools that he can elevate where, right. Where, where, you know what it is, right. It's exactly what you and I talked about the other day when we we're talking about there's elevators and then there's distributors, right? Like, like, like Sam Hartman and Dylan Gabriel in different ways, because they're very different quarterbacks are point guards. It's sure. like, run the offense. Now I think Dylan can do it a little, with a little bit more pizzazz, you know, cause he can run and he can do some different things athlete. out, you know, right. Yeah. Where Sam's just more of like a, you know, Sam's John Stockton. Right. And, and, and Sam, and you know, the other kids more like a, just trying to, Thomas. yes, a <laughs> little bit more, a little bit more flashy at times yeah. can do more off structure, things like that. Right. But they're both point yeah. guards there. Get the ball where it needs to go, you know, yeah. as opposed to put the team on your shoulders and, and go. Where right. Riley Leonard, he's not there yet completely, but he has the God-given ability, in my opinion, right, to be that guy that says, okay, get on my shoulders, I got this. And yep. and that's the difference for me. Yep. Uh, so that's why I would go with Riley Leonard, in my opinion. And the I, I, offense fits what he 
here fits what he wants to do better. Yeah. In my opinion, I, I do. I, th- I do think Dylan Gabriel found a good fit in Oregon though. I think he'll fit well into that offense. Well, I just, I just hope they, I hope they run the offense more that we saw this year and not yeah. the one we saw last year, because I don't think Dylan can hold up over an entire season if they run him as much as they ran Bo in 2022. Well, I don't think they would. Cause yeah. it's, I mean, it's obviously the new offensive coordinator this year, right. Will Stein. Right. So, yep. and he didn't run nearly as much. Uh, yeah, but he did. I believe he did run run Frank Harris quite a bit. Or am I am I misremembering that, Ryan? I thought Frank I Harris ran. ran I think he ran a decent um, amount. Yeah, six hundred yards, hundred twenty yeah. some times. Like I don't want to see that much. I think how the the, and then when they did need a play, they would run Bo when they needed him to make a play. But he did more scrambling this year as, as opposed to last year. Where he did a lot more design runs. Yeah. I just I don't think Dylan and Dylan doesn't have Bo's frame. I just I don't think he can make no. it through a whole year. Uh, doing it that way but no I, i'm with you i think that was a good pickup because yeah. like you, you, one of the other names i heard mentioned with them early on was cam ward cam ward's a to me a much more physically gifted player than dylan gabriel sure. and i think brings a, a higher ceiling to the table that if he can put it together but my issue with cam ward is just you don't always know what you're getting from week to week you kind of have an idea of what you're getting game to game from Dylan Gabriel. And I think there's merit to that sure. for a team that thinks around you, we got a pretty good freaking roster around yeah. him. Let's get a guy that we know is going to do this every game. And that's what Oregon is getting. So I agree with you, Ryan. That was a really good fit for them. And Riley Leonard's a really good fit for what we think Notre Dame is trying to do. I also just think Dylan Gabriel getting forced out of Oklahoma and going to Oregon is probably going to be pretty good for him, to be honest. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was so yeah. weird. I mean, I get it. I kind of get it for Oklahoma. I do. I, I get but it. I still but I don't like it. I still yeah. don't like it. A kid that just had 42 t- total touchdowns, you're yeah. like, hit the road, Jack. Like, all right. Yeah, you take that kid <laughs> off your team, you're nowhere close to 10 and 2 this year. I know. Because they're, I mean, their running game was not very good at all without him. I mean, he accentuated a little bit. But um, Aiden Benami with the super chat. Thank you so much. Marcus Freeman, please do not let Mike Mickens, Dila McCullough, and Al Golden leave. I mean, he's, it doesn't always have a say. I mean, the reality is you can't. <laughs> there's two guys on there that want to be D coordinators. Only one of them can be a D coordinator, right? right? And, and if if a if a NFL defensive coordinator position comes open and they want Al Golden, they can afford to pay him a little bit more sure. than you could afford to pay him. I, so yeah. I understand where you're coming from, my den. I really do. But honestly, yeah. if you're Marcus Freeman. <sighs> Yeah, you don't want to see you don't want to see good coaches leave, but because it hurts your team. But at the same time, I mean, the best coaches are guys that are that are producing guys to go on to better jobs, right? I mean, sure. that's you're doing if you're not if you have this is one of my big complaints in the Brian Kelly area, right? It wasn't until late in his career that he had guys really get promotions to like big jobs. Elko leaving for Texas A and M, D coordinator mm-hmm. job, Clark Lee becoming a head coach. You know, you didn't really see a whole lot of that. It was usually like. Charlie Molnar getting an old getting a UMass job because Brian Kelly uses connections to get him out of Notre Dame, right? <laughs> it was Audrey Denson going to Charleston Southern. It, you know what I mean? It was Chuck yeah. Martin going to Miami of Ohio. It was jobs like that, right? It was you know Bob Diaco getting a UConn job. It wasn't like are, uh, are you saying you know, Charleston? Are you saying Charleston Southern isn't a good job? Is that what you're no, saying? <laughs> no, it's kidding. not. <laughs> it's not like Kirby leaving for Georgia. You know what I mean? Right. It's just a different animal. That changed yeah. a little bit towards the end, kind of. I mean, you know, Mike Elko got a higher paying D coordinator job that led to the Duke job that, you know, whatever. You know, Clark Lee got the Vanderbilt job. But even then, it wasn't like 
you know, what we see at other big time schools. So they're, they're not going to blue bloods. Yeah. Programs I mean, if, if, you know? if Mike Mickens leaves for a legit D coordinator job, if Dylan McCullough gets a head coaching job or if Al Golden gets, a, I mean, those things help your program because people now view Notre Dame as a place that I can go dominate, do a great job and win and then get set yep. up for my career goals. I mean, that's, in this day and age, if you're keeping, you're not going to keep your entire staff for six, seven, eight years if you're good. They're, you're going to have some lifers that love being in a place. You just are. But yep. most guys have career aspirations. They just do. And mm-hmm. that aren't always, I just want to be a position coach at Notre Dame. You know, yep. like, you know, they, I want to be a D court. I want to be a head coach. And if you're, if you're a good head coach, you understand that and you help facilitate that. But you also have to yep. say like, these were all guys that Marcus Freeman wanted. And mm-hmm. so you have to feel good that if he does make that decision, that they'd be guys that he, he would replace them with other good coaches, you know? Yep. So absolutely. Like, and the fact that two of these are defensive guys, I just, that's the side of the ball. I just don't worry about a lot with Marcus Freeman. Sure. I'm more, more worry more about other side of the ball. To be honest with you, you know, mm-hmm. what's his decision making on the other side of the ball? There's been a lot more questionable yep. hires in that regard. Um, like even Chris O'Leary, right? I had no problem with them promoting Chris O'Leary from a coaching standpoint. That that guy's proven he's a very good football coach. My questions are more yeah. recruiting wise. Sure. And uh, you well, didn't love the Al twenty twenty five. So yeah, far, so, heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't love the Al Washington job based on the hire the way the job he did in year one. But boy, that looks like a much better hire now. You know, and yep. and he's done a very good job. Same with Al Golden. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. And there's always joy in giving to our friends and family. We also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. The holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. Uh, back to back here from I know. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. From Navy to now, do you think some gla- some gaps have closed? Yes. I, I mean, here, here's how I'll say it. Okay. H- has it been uh, a big gap closed? No. I mean, they're here. Like, they started the season here and they need to get here. You know, that, right? I mean, we saw some things this year. We saw some young, talented players emerge. 
We saw an offense that shows the potential to be more explosive. Now it just needs to be more consistently explosive. You saw some really talented young players emerge on offense. I mean, so yeah, there were some, you know, your defensive line took a step forward again. You've recruited very well in the last year. So yeah, they've closed the gap some, right? It's just not nearly as much as it should have been, in my opinion. But yeah, the gap's been closed. I mean, from where it was, I mean, you know, just... Not as much, yeah, not as much as it should have been. That's as simple as that. I mean, it's a, it's a good question, Iden, but it, they didn't take a step. I'll say this, right? They didn't take a step back this year. Oh, they no. didn't take the big step forward they should have, but they didn't take a step back. They took a step forward. It just wasn't as big of a step as I hoped it would be. I mean, there's still a gap that needs to be closed overall, but I mm-hmm. Iden, I would say, like, you're, you're not a – you don't average 39 points a game offensively and give up 16 and take a step back, right? Like, Notre Dame took a step forward, and they – they did one correctable thing that we wanted them to do from last year to this year. They beat up on all the bad teams on the schedule, or all the teams that they are better than. They beat up on all of them, right? The the only three losses they had were three teams. I mean, Clemson, who's who's a talented team. You lost to Ohio State, that was you know one bad game away from maybe being in the college football playoff, and then you lost to Louisville, that played in the ACC championship game. So it's not like you played against a bad team and lost, or, or a good team and. Mm-hmm. A bad team and lost. So you you took a step forward there. And I think defensively, you took a massive step. I would say that you severely closed the gap defensively. I mean, you went from a, what they averaged the year before, like 21 points a game let up defensively. You, you, mean, you jumped like five yeah, points. If you, if you take out offensive, if you take out the offensive point, you gave up 23 on the season, Ryan. But if you take out like yeah. the pick sixes and all that stuff, it yeah. was like, I think like 21 and a half. Yeah. 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 So you made a big jump defensively this year, and I think that offensively is where you now need to – because there was a jump that happened offensively, but you need to take a massive step offensively this yeah. offseason as far as offensive line play needs to be better, wide receiver play needs to be better, and then quarterback needs to be better in the biggest games of the season as well. Right. So offensively is where my eyes will be, but certainly I think defensively you took a massive step and closed the gap. Yeah. And even when you look at the offense, I mean, the the, the offense actually improved its points per game average better – and the defense improved its point per game average. Uh, yeah. What I would say, however, is I, I think the offense had a bigger jump to make than the defense did as well. I mean, yeah. when you when you just look at it from a, you know from a ranking standpoint, Ryan, in, in 2022, from where Notre Dame was in scoring offense, Notre Dame ranked let's see 41st in scoring offense in 2020 in 22. and that was on a team that had a lot of non-offensive touchdowns. <laughs> You know what I mean? And, uh, or non, yeah, yes, correct. Non-offensive touchdowns. And this year you you go from 31.8 to 39.1. So obviously that was a jump. And they scored 45 in the bowl game. So they were even lower than 31.8 going into the bowl game. Uh, you look at their yards per game. Uh, Notre Dame went from 396.2 and 5.9 yards per play to 429.3 and 6.95 yards per play, which is going to be one. They're going to end up as one of the best top five all-time seasons at Notre Dame in yards per play. So it's like you said, Ryan, they, in, in, a, in nine games, they made a big jump from where they were. But yeah. the problem is, is you don't get evaluated at Notre Dame based on what you do on the teams you're supposed to beat. To your point, the teams that could somewhat match them talent-wise gave them problems. And that that's that's where you've got to get a lot better. And and so you're correct. The offense is going to be the side that needs to take that jump. And it's not even about Notre Dame's scoring average could be exactly the same next year as it is this year, or even a point worse. 
and it is a lot better because yeah. you know more yards, but more so because you didn't have the the fifty eights and the fifty sixes and the you know the the two fifty sixes of fifty eight against really bad teams that kind of pumped your numbers up. Uh, you don't have as many um, you know special teams and defensive touchdowns maybe as you had this year. And so, but you're overall a better offense because instead of scoring seven to 14 against Ohio state, you play them in the playoff next year and you score 27 against them and win, you know, instead of scoring 23 against clumps and you get them in the playoff and you score 34 against them and win those type of things. And that's when right. they got to get better. That's what you're evaluated by at Notre Dame, right? Nobody cares what you did against Navy and Tennessee state. You're evaluated by what you do against the best teams on your schedule. And, and, and to a degree, that's how it should be. My only point has ever been, we can't ignore the improvements that were made in those other areas. It's just, it doesn't excuse that they need to get a lot better in the bigger games. Right. It's good. Good questions. Raymond Harton with the super chat. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks for all the hard work guys. Y'all make my Notre Dame fandom so much better. Go Irish. Thank you, Raymond. Thank you, Raymond. Yeah. Appreciate that very much, buddy. Appreciate that. Brandon Plensner with the question. If Xavier Watts and Riley Mills both return for 2024, who would you like to see as the two defensive captains next season? And who do you think it will be having trouble picking just two between Kaiser, Xavier Watts, Howard Cross and Riley Mills? It'd be Watson cross for me. It would also um, be Watson cross for yeah, me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's no disrespect to Kaiser or Mills. I mean, I, I think Kaiser's a, a, you don't always have to be a captain to be a leader. Number one, but Xavier Watts to me is, is gotta be captain because he can be that communicator. Yep. He he's going to get in there. I mean, he's the guy that's not afraid to get in people's face when they need to. He's not a guy. He's a guy that literally just literal football communication. I mean, safeties have to communicate a ton, just like Mike linebackers do. Uh, Howard Cross would be that guy because again, Howard has more just of the like Riley's a dude. Just go work your butt off and lead by example. That's what I want from right. you. I don't need you to, you know, if you got to get in somebody's face from time to time, do it. But I just need you to set the example. Howard's got a pretty magnetic personality. Yeah. I think people will leave. leave And have you ever listened to him in a press conference? He's got a little bit of swagger to him. Yeah. Confident. And, and he backs it up with the work every day. So those would be my two. That'd be my two. And it's not easy. I mean, I think those are two very, and, and honestly too, you'd, you'd want to think about like, are you going to throw Benjamin, see on Benjamin Morrison's chest just because of, you know, he's an all American and all that. I mean, he, he should because they always have some potential junior All Americans. Um, again, with him, I just just if he earns it, give it to him. But I, I don't think he, I don't think we should ignore ignore him as a potential junior, right? Potential captain either. But if even if you but even if you threw him in, my answer is still the same. It's still Carlson Watts. I think the more interesting question is who would be the two offensive captains if they had two offensive captains. Yeah. That would be the more interesting question because that's yeah. a, that's a side of the ball that's got a big makeover this offseason, yeah. right? It's well, like, yeah. I mean, I would have to think because of how many unproven guys there are, I'd have a hard time with not seeing Riley Leonard be one. Sure. Yeah, I think that yeah. would be one. Makes sense. Mitchell Evans, potentially. Um, maybe. You know, maybe a Jaden Thomas, potentially, is just a veteran guy. And there's not a lot of other veterans. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to do it with Pat Coogan, even though I think Pat could be a good leader because I don't know if I necessarily want him to start. I think your captain kind of needs to be on the field. You know what I mean? But yeah, Riley and Mitchell Evans, Jaden Thomas, those would probably be my, I'm trying, am I missing somebody? No, none of the running backs, none of the young receivers. 
yeah, I mean, that's probably be my best options, Ryan, but you're, you're correct. Yeah. There's, they're going to be very young. You're going to have two red shirt. You're going to have at least two, maybe three red shirt sophomores starting on your offensive line next year. Yep. Your, your running back depth chart is going to be a red shirt sophomore and a true sophomore. You're going to have a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing a receiver, you know? So, I mean, yeah, and, those and would be my best. Too, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> so those would be my best bets at the position. Yeah. At the you know, sure. I'd probably go with Mitchell, but then again, Mitchell's not going to be on the field the first potentially exactly. could not be on the field the first three, four games. And, and I also like, I mean, Mitchell Evans is your best, most productive returning player in it to a degree, right? But it's also like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, because I don't, I genuinely don't know. Like, is he a big leader? Like, I don't know yeah. if he's a big leader on the team. So, so I've yeah. heard, I've heard that he is. He's a former core. Yeah. I've actually heard that he's a, a guy that works hard and, has, you know, very well liked. He would have stepped into that. I'm a junior now. I'm the guy now. I think he would have. But the hard part for Mitchell is you got to earn your captaincy in the summer, the winter workouts, spring yeah. ball. He's not going to be any of that. You know, right. he's going to be on the sideline. It's going to be hard for him to do that. Even yeah. though I think he's got the potential to be that kind of player, it's hard to be a captain unless, like you, you know, Jarrett Patterson it, last right. year was able to be a captain, Next even though he missed because he yeah. was and he was already a captain. He'd already yep. established himself as a captain. So yep. Mitchell would not be in that position. But if somehow he's able to, you know, find a way to be that leader uh, where he yep. says, Hey, I got to be more vocal because my guy, because I'm not out there, I got to be more vocal, maybe then. But it's going to be a little tougher. I mean, I could see a three captain situation next year where it's like Riley Leonard and then the two, two defensive, defensive guys. Could be, you know, or maybe a special I, teams guy or something like that. I, like, I don't that's hate either. I think. That's where I could see Jack being a captain, though, Ryan. That's where I could see Jack Kaiser being a captain is right there. He's your special teams yeah. captain like Bo Bauer was a couple years ago. I, I don't mind. You know? I, I would actually kind of – I don't know. I would kind of like three captains and then maybe just like a weekly captain that you rotate based upon the practice mm-hmm. week and all that type of stuff. Like I, I do like yeah. that kind of stuff. But, yeah, we'll see. Irish-blooded with the Big Ten and the SEC releasing their future schedules. I am pretty excited to see some of these matchups. I got to say – do you think we see an undefeated Big Ten SEC champ moving forward? Oh, I'm sure. We, I'm sure we will. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be harder. Yeah, it's going to be a lot harder. But you're here. Here's why I say you will, because right now we're looking at, at it on paper, and and there, like I remember, what was it? Notre Dame's was it their 2018 schedule? Let me look at it. They had a schedule recently, Ryan, where when you looked at it on paper. You're like, man, this is going to be a tough schedule, but it never panned out that way. Okay, here it was 2018. You had Michigan, Stanford, at Virginia Tech, Pitt, Florida State, and then at USC. Like on paper, if you just look at traditional programs, that's a pretty tough schedule. But all those teams except for Michigan were down that year. Like Michigan ended up being a pretty good team. They went 10 to 2 in the regular season, and their only losses were to Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, Stanford that year, or excuse me, USC that year went 5 and 7. Florida State that year went 5 and 7. Pitt that year was 7 and 7. Virginia Tech was 6 and 7. And Stanford went 9 and 4. Right. So sometimes, you know, you, you get those years where your schedule is, uh, uh, you know, not as tough as it looks on paper. And then, I think the complete opposite was true the year before, you know, I mean, where you had some teams that, that it was going to be a tough schedule. It looked really tough on paper. You had Georgia, you had USC, you had Miami and Stanford, but
but it was even tougher because Michigan State ended up being really good that year. They were unranked in the preseason. Michigan State was because they were coming off of a three nine year. So you're like, that's there. Michigan State they're, they're going to they end up being ten and three and ranked in the top fifteen that year. NC State ended up being a top fifteen team that year. You know they were a quality team, but Ryan they spent the first month of the season unranked. They didn't jump in the top twenty five until the Louisville game in October. You know in October. You know, right. so like it ended up like it was going to be tough, but it became incredibly tough because some teams were better than you thought they were going to be. And then, like I said, there's other years where you're like, dude, that schedule I thought was going to be a lot tougher. Like there was one recently where I'm like, boy, that that could be a tough schedule. And then it ended up just like none of the teams you thought were going to be as good as they were. And and so that's that's kind of it, it, it. You're going to have years like that, Ryan, where yeah. on paper. Oh, it was 2021. That's what it was, Ryan. You started off at Florida State. You played Wisconsin in a neutral field. You had Cincinnati at Virginia Tech, USC, North Carolina at Stanford, at Virginia, and it just turns out none of those teams were worth a darn. Right. Like on paper, that looked really good. And then there's other years where you're like, you know, who thought Louisville was going to be playing for the ACC championship this year? Nah, right. This year. I mean. So uh, the, the, that's the thing is, Ryan, there will be a year where right now we're like, boy, that 2025 schedule for, you know, Bama's really tough. And then come sure. to find out, you know, that next year, a bunch of teams lost some guys or, you know, didn't lose some guys. And they're maybe not as good as, as you think you are. And a team runs the table. That's sure. going to happen. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see it, but you're just not going to see. I just don't think you're going to see Ohio State dominate the Big Ten like they did before. You're not going to see Michigan dominate the Big Ten the way they did before because I just think the league is better now, unless they just have those top teams avoid each other like the Mm -hmm. SEC has done with Alabama and Georgia for so many years. But it's it's hard to avoid it when you add four teams like the ones they're adding. That's the reality of it. It's gonna be um, it's gonna be tougher, but it's not gonna be impossible, I think is the point of it, right? Right. So yeah. And if you'd added Washington, Oregon, uh USC and UCLA like four years ago, okay. So what? UCLA sucked, USC sucked, uh, you know, Washington wasn't very good, and or maybe two, three years ago is more so. And then, you know, Oregon was kind of coming off the Willie Taggart era. You know right. what I mean? So like it, Guys, we're talking about how tough Washington is. Two years ago, they were four and eight. You know what I mean? Like two years ago, USC was four and eight. You know, so things change pretty quickly in college football nowadays. Yes, and there'll be years where those schedules work out that way. I mean, even Colorado went one and eleven, turned to four and eight. So it's crazy, man. Yeah, crazy these years. Man of the year, Sports Illustrated Man of the Year is their head coach. Give me a break. Give me a break. Um, Archer, 452, to the chat, but also to us, what do you think is the minimum floor and maximum ceiling for next year? I mean, it's still very early, Ryan, would you say, right? Still really early. And what I mean early, not just for Notre Dame. We don't know who Ohio State's quarterback is going to be next year. We don't know who, you know, is is J.J. McCarthy coming back at Michigan or not? And if he leaves, who's their quarterback? There's so many things to decide. But I'll just say right now, very, very loosely, I'd say floor to me of what I'll accept next year is 10 and two maximum ceiling is they get to the playoff and win a game, win at least a game. That's what I would say. Are they a national championship team? I can't say that right now. I can't say that right now. Well, I think undefeated regular season with potential to make noise in the playoffs is the ceiling for this team. Potentially. Mm -hmm. I think 10 and two is the floor based upon the schedule. And I think they've, 
they've upgraded a couple positions already yeah. in the portal. Like I'm, I'm happy with what they've done so far this off season, quote unquote. Yeah. It's not technically the off season yet. Like, yeah. So 10 and two undefeated, potentially making a, a, some noise in the playoffs would be my upside. And you now have two full classes of Marcus Freeman on offense and three full classes of Marcus Freeman on defense. Cause let's not forget the rising junior class gets contributed to Marcus Freeman because he was the D coordinator. Can't yep. can't, if that class doesn't pan out, you can't blame that on Brian Kelly because he was the defensive coordinator on that team, right? I mean, that's just the reality yeah. of it. And, and it was a very good class. I'm not saying that to – I mean, you got the Josh Burnham, Benjamin Morris, and that class has been pretty good so far. Yeah. You know, so this isn't this – isn't, you know, Junior 2 Alamaca is a very important part of that class. So, you know, uh, you look at Jalen Sneed. You look at a lot of the guys that, that were part of that class. That was a Marcus Freeman recruited and developed class. Now, it was a class that fell short in some areas – you know, yeah. you look at some of the positions they fell short on, obviously, that year, uh, fell short on at safety. Didn't sign – well, they signed us safety, but didn't think much of them. But, you know, Tyson Ford, Diamond Heinish, Jalen Sneed, Junotel Amaka, Josh Burnham, Nolan Ziegler, Benjamin Morris, and Jaden Mickey are all guys that to some degree you're going to be counting on next year as well. They're going to be juniors yeah. now. And then so so just if you believe in his recruiting, then, you know, this team has – that's why we think this team is going to take off from a talent standpoint. So, yeah, you should – you should be able to out-talent Louisville next year in a way that you didn't this year kind of thing, if that yeah. makes sense. Is that one safety they signed the year? Was it Jaden Bellamy? Was that who that yeah. was? Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Who I, yep. I I didn't think much of as a player. He was my lowest-ranked kid in that class defensively. Yeah. So, Bergen yeah. Catholic, man. Getting the Bergen Catholic yep. kids. Yeah. Troy McIntosh. Could Audric Estime improve his draft stock with more involvement in the passing game? Sure. Yes. I mean, I mean, yeah, Troy, to a degree, if he showed that maybe there was a little bit more diversity to his use in the passing game, maybe he could be a little bit more of a high volume guy. Could that help his pro- projection to being maybe a, an even higher volume getter? And when I'm saying volume, I'm not just saying, you know, run the football. I'm talking about the use in the passing game with that. So could he improve a little bit? Sure. But ultimately I think that Audric's skills are going to parlay to a specific role best other because Today's game just doesn't ask too many, doesn't have too many bell cows, man. Like it's a very committee approach in the NFL right now. So, like the answer is yes, but also I would have told Audric to leave, right? Like I would have told Audric to leave after this year because he still has a very clean projection to being an every down back. And maybe, because we've seen this also, there's been a lot of college running backs that go to the NFL that didn't have a lot of usage in the passing game that developed as pass receivers in the NFL because they just weren't asked oh. to do it in college. Doesn't mean that they can't necessarily do it. So I don't who, think it really hurts his long-term potential in that regard. Who was the back that came out? It's been with the last three or four years. They all bleed together and people were criticizing him because he didn't, what he did in the past came in college. Jonathan Taylor, probably right. That's Jonathan who Taylor it was. Yeah. yeah. Was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So J.K. Dobbins was another, and I think he had a little. I mean, he's been banged up, but like he is right. more upside in the passing game than what he had at Ohio State type of thing. So, right. Yeah. But that's kind of thing is like that's a product of the system, not so much right. that the guy can or can't do it. Right. Um, you know, because if you look at you know Jonathan Taylor, he is a rookie, caught thirty six balls, forty the next year, twenty eight yep. the next year, and got hurt. You know, so I mean, he's he's he's. Shoney can do it. To me, Audric's never going to be a guy that's going to go out and be a weapon in the pass game in a way that a Kyron Williams could have been. Sure. You know, it's just a different player. And and yeah. um, 
Aldrich yeah. Gilmore going to be a checkdown guy, which there's nothing right. wrong with that at all. It's just yeah. you're not you're not going to ask him to run a bunch of running back angles right. and option routes and that type of thing, which is fine. And if he comes right, and if he comes back and doing it, you're not drafting Aldrich Estimate to do that. And I mean to be that guy, and then you're drafting him because he's a 230 pound hammer battery with really good feet that that can be a really good like that's the thing that audrick has to improve upon he he showed flashes of it this year but he just needs to be more consistent when he's on his game he's a pretty good pass pro guy i think that's what you're going to want to see him do like dude take your 230 pound butt up into the line and take on that mike linebacker and stone him don't let him get to your quarterback that's going to be where you want him making an impact and then be a check down you know swing guy and you know just Hey, let's get the four yards, check it down to him, and he'll catch it. Because he, he, he's got good hands. Yeah. You want to hear the biggest shocker of all time? Not only is Kyron Williams a very good running back now in the NFL, he's also one of the best pass-blocking running backs in the NFL. Who shocker. would have thought that would shocker. happen? <laughs> a, a trait that takes toughness and attitude to be good at? Yes. Man, I, I don't who saw that coming from Kyron? Yeah. Dude, Kyron he's has been, been one of my biggest such... hits in fantasy this year, man. He's been great when he's been healthy. He so. was so much better than I thought he was going to be coming out of high school. And I'm I'm yeah. happy to see it. Love seeing Dude, he's, it. Like, he's I'm legitimately said, a guys are like really good about. NFL player. Yeah. He's I, I mean, all I, all I do is look at the numbers, Ryan, and I look at the numbers and I'm like, dude, the, he's doing some things, man. He is definitely just doing some just things. Just produces, man. Just produces. Yep. So, yep. Yep. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.